0: Welcome to Run It Again. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Marks. Now, don't forget to visit us at runitagainpodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Coming up, we'll take you inside the NBA restart bubble. Plus, is there a good reason to play college football this year? And Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Sammy Watkins definitely knows when enough is enough. We'd like to turn the mic around and hear from our listeners. Have a question for me or Coach March that you would like answered on the next episode of Run It Again? Send us an email at runitagainpod at gmail.com or leave a comment on social media at runitagainpod. Be sure and tune in every Tuesday for a new episode and a chance to hear your questions answered. You're listening to a Benstown and McBay Media Podcast Network production. We'll be back right after this
1: message.
2: There are families that will go hungry tonight. Every day, people who have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. The need is greater than ever before, and your neighbors need your help. Donate today to support communities facing hunger during this time of uncertainty. Every dollar you give can provide at least 10 meals to children and families in need through the Feeding America Network of Food Banks. Please make a donation today at feedingamerica.org. Thank you. Get ready for the Learn Again Podcast. Huddle up, huddle up. Every week. You'll be hearing stories that take you beyond the daily sports grind. With
0: unique insight from former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. Just feels like the college football season discussion gets more and more complicated. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on earth,
2: Super Bowl winning coach Mike Martz.
3: I do think professional sports has such an impact on the American psyche that I think everybody's going to want to try and get this up and running in some version of it. We'll
2: connect you directly to the source and tell you what's really going on. Biggest issue is,
3: and I think this is important, is they're not exposed to family. Oh boy,
2: that's going to be interesting. With conversations and tales from guys on the inside. So click the button to subscribe for free and you'll get episodes sent straight to your phone every week. It's run it again.
0: Welcome to run it again. Now, here's Ron Vitz with the coach, Mike Martz. Mike, you remember Chris Thomas? Oh yeah. 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 He played for you a couple years, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, he
3: yeah, did. Yeah, he did a great job.
0: Yeah. He, uh, he lives around here and our boys went to high school together. His, oh, wow. uh, his, yeah, he's got a son named Ryland. Who's I believe he just signed with SC or agreed to, uh, you know, go to SC. He's a baseball player. Really, really wow. good athlete. He's, he's one of those kids that could, probably play football if he wanted to I mean he's just yeah you can tell he's kind of got it all together and and everything is there and he, and he's smart he's instinctual so he's got all this stuff and it. it was making me think about you know a couple of weeks ago we were talking about what makes a kid a professional I mean what turns a kid into a professional that that is that is such a long road regardless of the sport whether it's f- football baseball basketball and P, you know, parents have asked me this for a long time. Well, I, you know, how, how does your kid develop into that? Is it, is it 100% um, athleticism? Is it, is it like basketball where if you're six, eight, six, nine, seven foot, you, you've got a pretty good shot to get to the next level or is it something else?
3: You know, for me, uh, anybody that, that gets to that unique level or that you know, the uh, the level that you're talking about, there has to be great passion, just like anything else. You know, if you're really passionate about what you do, of course, then you have to have the skill and the ability to do it, but there has to be the engine that drives everything regardless of the skill level is passion for what you do and a, a love for the game. You know, if it's not there, we, we all have seen guys, God, you know what, if I just had his size and speed and ability, yeah. I could be a good player at this, that, or the other thing. You know, we've all seen that, but the things that's missing is he just, you know, I have a son like that. He's, he got his athletic genes, fortunately from his mother's side of the family and not mine. (laughs) And he's very athletic. You know, he's one of those kids that in high school stand flat foot under the bucket. He's six, two and jump up and slam it size 15 shoe, you know, and he goes in bench presses when he's 16 years old, just drops down and then throws up 250 pounds. He's just a natural athlete. And, but he doesn't care for sports. He just never has, really. You know, so that's the way it goes. You know, you have to have that great passion and drive to excel at that sport, and just a deep love for that game. If you don't have it, then you'll be okay, but you'll never really be what you should be.
0: No disrespect to Julie, but you're you're trying to make me believe that you had nothing to do with that whatsoever, none. right? None.
3: Okay. None. Okay. none. 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 That was especially just, that was when you're talking the- about. No, that's, I can't even dunk a, an eight foot basket in my prime. So let's, you know, let's. I can't. I can, I can do
0: it so. right now, as you know.
3: Well, we all know you can. <laughs> we all know you can dunk an eight foot. Yeah, that's good. Now, whether wow. you could actually stand above it and drop a tennis ball through it and actually make it through, there's another question. Uh, yeah, I'm right. Sure uh, you that's can that's it, Yeah. Well, you would okay, have to, keep... to make a basket run, you would have to dunk it because you sure can't shoot
0: it from outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that's a lie. That's another show. That's another podcast. <laughs> but so, okay. So we've heard the stories of the kids that, that grow up in New York City. Okay. And, and they've got nothing, come from nothing. They've got nothing. And all they have is the hoop under the lights and they're out there till midnight playing basketball. Places like Rucker Park. Okay. and And our executive producer, Roy, Roy Hamilton, you know, former NBA player. He he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Rucker Park, okay? That they say there's guys at Rucker Park that will put the best in the NBA to shame, but they never very few of them ever make it to the next level, okay? And then you have kids that can live out in the country that don't have high-tech training facilities, that don't have, you know, all the bells and whistles that some of the other uh, money programs have in high school. But yet they make it to the pro, to the pro level, and it doesn't matter whether you come from money or don't come from money, you you can become a pro. There was a line from this movie, uh, called uh, what was it name uh, Ratatouille, okay, and it's a great oh, right. line, and and the line is not everyone can become an artist, but an artist can come from anywhere. And when I got to yeah. the NFL, Mike, I I realized. You know, looking back, because that movie came out later, but I realized some things that I didn't realize before is that this isn't about money getting to this level. This isn't about where you come from. This is just about being good enough to get here. And 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 one guy that comes to mind for me, Steve Young. And here's why Steve Young comes to mind. I used to think that rich kids, and you can throw rich white kids weren't good enough to make it to the NFL cuz they didn't have enough drive and didn't have enough anger didn't have whatever that stuff was but then I I looked at guys like like uh Steve Young Steve Young out of Greenwich Connecticut uh you know that's a money area just across the, the 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 Lake River there from New York City plenty of money in that community he was a kid that came from money and made it and there's a lot of other kids as I saw make it in the NFL so that was just something that, that jumped out at me as I as I went through my years.
3: You know, Isaac Bruce, I think he came from 10 kids, a family of 10 kids or whatever. And, yeah. Um, and yet you've got, uh, you know, a difference, just the opposite situation um, throughout the league. So it just, I, I, the commonality in this thing is that, you know, the passion they have for playing the game and then there's a competitiveness to it that in the in that ultra – competitive level, you know, that, you know, you have to have that, you have to have that edge. And if you don't have that competitive edge, you know, you're just competing at everything. You just, it's a grind for you. You know, you wake up thinking yeah. about it and hey, you know, you played. you know what I'm talking about. You, you just love the ability to compete. How do you ever let your kids beat you at anything?
0: Oh, well, you know, the answer to that. I'm going, I'm pushing 58, right? <laughs> you no. Know, right. and, and you know something, my dad was the same way. I used to think he would give me a game here and there, whether it was tennis, whether it was racquetball, whatever it was. No. And maybe in a a subliminal way, he was teaching me not just what it was going to be like at the next level of sports, but what it is in life. No one's going to give you anything. You have to earn it. And that's, that's how I grew up thinking.
3: And I think that's one of the reasons why I love the elite level of football is nothing is given to anybody. It's just like contracts yeah. are done after what you've done in the past instead of what, what's ahead of you sometimes, and which is a whole different argument. So nothing that you've done yesterday has any bearing on today. And each day mm-hmm. that you go to practice, you have to prove that you belong there. You know, we always tell our players that, and coaches too, you have to prove every day that you coach, every day that you practice as a player, and coach is a coach. You have to prove that you belong there. And if you start to take it for granted, then you don't belong there anymore. You know, it's it, right. because it is an elite level. And it is yeah. the best in the world at what they do. And if you ever take that for granted, then it's your time to leave.
0: We're going to listen to a soundbite here. And, and that, that's that's a great time. We could talk about this show after show after show. But we're going to bounce over to something that, that happened just last week in the NBA and we're going to we're going to listen to this sound bite real quick and then pick it up
1: after that let's take a closer look NBA players cannot be tone deaf my NBA brothers you cannot be tone deaf right now in this current environment we all know the life that NBA players live you are blessed get a chance to be in private planes You get a chance to have millions of dollars in your bank account. You live a different level of life. But that is drastically different than what real, everyday working Americans are going through right now. Now, you're in a billion-dollar bubble. If you want to complain about the anxieties you have from COVID-related issues, I get it. Complain about that. We all have the right to complain about that. But when I hear NBA guys complaining about living facilities, food that they have being delivered to them, it is tone deaf. It is tone deaf. We need to think about people who are everyday working people who are making minimum wage, trying to make ends meet, that are going to factories, that are going to really harsh working environments, where if anything, maybe their employers are doing less to ensure their safety because they're trying to increase the bottom line. They're trying to earn and make money back from all the money that they lost through the times that a lot of these states, individually governed, have been dealing with this issue. So when I see guys that are going into a billion dollar bubble, a billion dollar bubble, and are getting food delivered to them, they have beds to sleep in, you can't complain about that. Not while you're making millions of dollars, not while your employer is going through drastic measures to protect you while they're still paying you when that's not the case for everyday real working americans that bothers me that bothers me i don't know if individual teams and their prs their pr team public relations teams are working with these guys but they have to the league has to because some of this stuff just leaking out and guys just having a lot of free time and just posting this stuff it's not the right look for the league right now not while they're trying to focus on finishing the season and allowing a lot of other players to earn the amount of money that they're able to earn it's tone deaf. It's tone deaf.
0: That was former NBA player and TV analyst, Jay Williams. And Mike, I when I first heard about what was going on with the NBA players in the NBA bubble down there in Orlando, the complaints about the food, the complaints about the accommodation, so on and so forth, I, my, my gut reaction was anger, it's very similar to what Jay just expressed there. Then I thought to myself, I I'm not there. I, I don't I don't know exactly you know what food is being served or not served. I I'm hearing rumors of a, a cockroach here and there, but the more I thought about it, I still was upset. It's just with everything going on. That's not the narrative that needs to be thrown out there. And, and I think Jay hit on it perfectly.
3: I do too. I think uh, anybody who heard that uh, would agree with him. Uh, I don't think there's any question about it. I do think, though, there's so many professional athletes, particularly in the, in the NBA, that throughout their high school, their college, and their, their professional lives, they've been catered to in so many ways because they're so gifted. That sometimes their perspective has changed from maybe perhaps when they were young, younger in grade school and whatnot. As they progress, people have a tendency to kind of take care of them and spoil them, if you will. Um, you know, they're they're so talented, some you know, not all of them, obviously, but some of them have been catered to. So that's been their life. That's just routine for them. And when things aren't perfect or great, then you know it's just their perspective. They've they have not had to do without for quite some time for most of them and and perhaps some of them, I mean, that's their life. And, you know, they get caught up in that day to day life and being catered to and having a lot of money and having that freedom that the money can give you and certain things for the food and the luxuries, et cetera, when it's taken away, you know, now, Whoa, 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 what's this? You know, come on, it's not fair. You know, that kind of thing. So it's, I kind of understand that because it's been their life. I don't agree with it, obviously. You just wish they would have some compassion for the rest of the world and what's going on and and understand that too, I think.
0: Yeah, and Jay touched on it there. The marketing and PR uh, components of the NBA teams need to be better than this. They they need to get the players together and, and explain to them what the optic is is on this. Okay. And now you're staying in the Disney World Resort. This is where every family that can muster up enough money to take exactly 2.5 kids on a vacation uh, every year will go to. And these are the hotels they stay in. This basically is the food they will eat. And I know they're right. under quarantine. I know special circumstances have to be given. But all in all, if if it's not good enough if it's good enough for them, why is it not good enough for you? Especially with what you're making. I don't want to sound like one of those guys that's always punching the money button, but I have to because it just it's just they're so far off the mark on this one. And I and I and I know we're dealing with younger guys here. And when I was in my early 20s, mid 20s, I looked at the world a lot different and I expected a lot different things. So I I get it. But that's again why I say the the head coach, the 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 team's PR and marketing people, and even the owner need to get involved, and commissioner, and you need to have an a meeting, and you need to say no, no, listen, if you guys want to get paid, okay, and you and you want to do and you want to play, then we need to squelch this kind of talk because this isn't helping us, and it's not helping our country with what's going on right now,
3: and they fully don't realize that. To these players, they don't obviously, know, it's, yeah. And and so, when they went into camp, that's a discussion that should have happened with all of them. Uh, and you know how camp is when you go into, you know, for instance, football, when you're isolated, like we were up in Macomb, everybody complains about everything. It doesn't make any difference what happens, they're just going to complain because it's they got a lot of time on their hands. You know, Marshall used to get on his knees almost and beg not to go to he hated McComb, He hated it so much because he's so isolated, you know. I, oh, no, yeah. Not McComb, not again. <laughs> you know, and he was voicing for the rest of the players, you know. But the isolation is what I wanted for the team. And what they did is, you know, the first thing they did is they complained for days. We used to put steak and lobster on there just trying to – they didn't like it. So, I to, you know what I mean? So there, there's going to be something always to complain about in camp. And unfortunately now with, with all the social media and whatnot, they complain openly on social media as opposed to just amongst themselves. And it's just stuff that happens, you know. But now it's so out of line and so far-fetched right. uh, to complain about that. When the rest of the world is in this situation, uh, it's hard to imagine, you know, having that kind of approach to it really and thinking like that.
0: Yeah, here in LA just just this morning I, I I get up and and go to work out, go to my my health club over here and I get there and it, it's closed down. I mean, it is the, the the building's dark. There's not a car in the lot. And I call the number to find out what's going on and they say, "Yeah, due to COVID-19, we've had to reclose." So, this is we are in a desperate moment as a country with with this pandemic thing. Regardless of what anyone's political views are, okay. Regardless of how you want to look at it, there are still things going on from a health standpoint that we are not over, and we have to, and we have to get over this stuff. So I, I, I would hope moving forward that the NBA guys can can understand, it night and I have faith, Mike, that they will. I, I, if, if I, I, I believe the commissioner will step up, and 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 the coaches will step up and say, "Hey, guys, let's let's handle this a little bit differently."
3: If you took all the movie stars that are making a ton of money out there, they're, they're really popular, and you put them in a camp for a month or two, you know, and had to, it's right. just kind of you know, people make a lot of money, their their whole life is different, you know, their whole approach yeah. to things, they've been, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not making an excuse. There has to be an attitude readjustment here somehow. They've got to yeah. get back to the real world for
0: sure. All right, coach. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more. Run it again after this message. Hey, it's Jesse Cage, and I host a wrestler's
2: origin story podcast called First Match, where we go back to the very beginning of some of our favorite professional wrestlers' careers, and we go right along that journey from training to the first match and beyond. Our current guest, Chris Jericho that's right the Ayatollah of rock and rolla the greatest of all time jumped in the first match time machine took us all the way back to the beginning from jumping off eight foot ladders at his high school gym in front of nobody well I mean the janitor was there to getting advice from Jesse the body Ventura don't miss this week's episode of first match. Welcome back. Here's
0: Ron Pitts with the coach Mike Mars. Be
2: sure to join them every Tuesday for a new episode of Run
0: It Again. So let's bounce from the NBA world over to the football world, and we're gonna we're gonna listen to another quote here and another soundbite from uh, from Sammy Watkins, and uh, we'll react afterward.
4: Not enough said. I've been with him since he's been playing, and just the type of guy I am I observe in the game, I observe at practice, he's a, a class act man. He don't he don't seem like he's that type of guy to, to be wanting the money. I don't even think he's gonna even see the money. Um I think he's gonna be a guy that's just literally focusing on football, family, and having fun, enjoying himself. And like I said, the first day I met him, he's that same person, even when he got all these accolades, the NFL NFL MVP, the the Super Bowl champ. He's still that same guy, and I and I pray for him, and I hope he stay that, that same way to to continue to, you know, be the force in the league and be the the, the face of the league. It's rare to find good good guys and, and good guys that understand that he have a, a team to, to depend on and um, great coaches. And literally, I think he leaned on just about everybody in the building, and um, whether it's Andy Reid, whether it's Coach Reid, whether it's his quarterback coach or receiver coach. Um, the OC, he just depend on everybody. He, he he want everybody to be engaged. He want everybody to be a part of it. And um, since I've been there, it's not all about Pat. It's not all about um, you need to run faster. Hey, it's my bad. I threw a bad ball. So that's where I, I have my respect from him. And he's been, like like I said, one of the best guys in the locker room, one of the best leaders. And he's not just leading talking about football. He's leading to help all the other guys in the locker room, whether that's lessen the tickets um buying tickets whether that's getting better seats for the families whether that's trying to figure out solutions to make everybody in the locker room feel better and not just his agenda pushed through his um through his own eyes and when you get guys like that to to be that leadership and to to control the offense and and be that guy i would depend on him and, and and man hats off to him and man like he said let's continue to build his dynasty
0: that's chiefs wide receiver sammy watkins off of the nfl radio network discussing patrick mahomes and what he's like as a teammate and uh boy a little bit richer now at that contract extension 10 years and now i'm understanding mike it's in the neighborhood of 500 million so but bottom line you yeah yeah, I, bottom line is uh, that is what you would expect from Patrick Mahomes in the locker room because that, that's kind of the same guy I see when I watch the games on Sunday.
3: You know, I think when you pay a guy that kind of money, you're also not just paying him for his ability and his talent and and kind of how he is with the guys, as leadership. I mean, he is the face of the organization and his personality is infectious. His energy is unique. He is so unique. I don't know that the league has ever seen anybody like him with the right. extreme talent and then the extreme personality, such a a loving, for lack of a better term, personality, an engaging person. Uh He's what the league would like to be about, I think, overall. And he's not just a face of the Chiefs at this point. I think he's the face of the NFL, and I think it's a very good move that they did. I think he's worth every penny of it.
0: Yeah. Now Sammy also restructured his own deal. He's he's on a one year deal right now and it's it's for quite a bit of money. It's a nine hundred nine million dollar contract. Um so he he's he's gonna be okay financially. But it's interesting what he had to say about his contract situation. He said, "Listen, how much is enough? How much money do I actually need?" And Mike, I've heard you say this over and over, "When is the money enough?" He said I can I can take care of my family now. You know, I can take care of my family's family. <laughs> I can take care of grandkids down the line. I can take care of myself. It's all about winning, and if me restructuring helps us get another ring, then I'm all for it. My gosh, it's it's like when I heard that quote and I read that quote, it's it's like the clouds parted and, and a ray of sunshine struck. And I said, finally, an athlete gets it. Finally.
3: Well, there's been a lot of uh, good athletes throughout the the years that have throughout this league they've done that many times. I know Marshall did. Right. Marshall restructured his a number of occasions to help us. But Marshall used to tell guys, too, young guys that would get, their contract would be up and they're ready to move on. And Dre Bly was one of them hey, stay here. They can't pay you probably quite as much, but you're going to be part of a winner for a long time. Azakim, yeah. all those guys. And they, but they, it was kind of, you know, the money kind of took them away, which I get. I understand all that. But, you know, when we did Isaac Bruce's contract, I think it was right before the old 01 season. And I couldn't, it wasn't announced. I couldn't figure it out. So I, I called him and said, I, Where are we with the contract? And he said, You know, it's well, done. I'm, I'm a sign. I'm just not going to announce it for another month or two. And I want to put it on the back page. I just don't want any fanfare over it. Wow. I said, oh, Okay. I was, I Man. was concerned about it. He said, Well, he said, it, it, you know, I think my numbers are such that I could be the top two or three guys. And he at that time, he was absolutely dead center. And I think he was like fourth or third or whatever in terms of the money at that point. But, he said, you know, Mike, it isn't about the money. He said, I got more than enough money to take care of my family and the rest, for the rest of my life. I'm, I'm fine with that. He said, but I do owe this league and the other players something. If I took much less, which I could do, then it affects all these other young players and their contract negotiations. And that's not right for me to do that. And so I got that. But he said, the bottom line is everybody's just got to figure out how much is enough for you. And That's when a, you hit yeah. that number, then you have to be satisfied. But how much is enough? Everybody's got to ask himself that. One of the truly most magnificent men I've ever met in my life. You know, if there's somebody that you want to hold up as a role model, as a man and as an athlete, Isaac Bruce, he's, it's just impeccable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you you bring up stories and instances of guys in the past that have done this just nowadays, you know in this world we live in this social media uh, iPhone, it's about me, it's about I, it's about my followers, it's about my hits and blah 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 blah. it's just refreshing to hear a guy like Sammy Watkins talk that way. It just it, it gives me it gives me hope that <laughs> there's parts of the game and parts of our culture that are still intact if you know what I mean.
3: Well sure and it goes back to what we we're saying earlier. If you have great passion for what you do, if you love this game, and you're, com- you're highly competitive, competitive being competitive is one thing at the regular level, like we all know, and then the, the elite level where it really changes. I mean, really changes. And when you have that kind of a personality, you know, you want to get paid for it, obviously, but you just want to stay in that as long as you possibly can. And then the money is just another world, but. The really great players that I've been around, they just love playing the game. They go out and play in the street if they had to. They didn't care, yeah. you know. They just love playing.
0: Yeah, and and they're in that window, aren't they, Mike? They
3: are that yep. winning
0: window. They are. Right?
3: They're they're entering a magnificent. When you have guys like that, talk like Sammy talking like that, then it's yeah. infectious in the locker room. As you know, you've been on those really good teams. It's infectious, and you know, Marshall used to have a great line. We'd have a free agent come in, and, and I'd ask him afterwards, I always want Marshall to meet every free agent that we sign. So what do you think? He said, nah, not one of us, coach, or he's one of us. Yeah. Well, what a great statement that was. In other words, if he's unselfish, if he if he's about winning, if he's high energy and highly competitive, <laughs> then, yeah, he's one of us. But if he's an I, me, like you said, what's going on in the world today, everything's about me, then it's different. <laughs> then you don't, you know, maybe you pass on the guy.
0: I, I want our listeners to take a challenge. Okay, so the next time you're you're reading through sports clips, regardless of the sport online and and there's an article on a particular player and he's talking about his year and his stuff, just circle the I and me's you you come across in that no question.
4: article.
3: Yeah.
0: Just just go ahead and circle them and then pick out a guy who's in a different situation, you know, someone like a Sammy Watkins. Who's talking team first and us first and then see how many of those you come across it's uh, you'll, you'll find quite a, a difference that's that's what I've noticed when I've tried that exercise hey and you know we've got we've got to reach back out to our our uh, our liquor store girl Katie Cam down in Kansas City who of course broke the Patrick Mahomes uh, signing story she was the first one she. Scoop the insiders right out of the box on that one. So good job, Katie. And maybe, maybe Katie's got something on Dak Prescott, you know, tomorrow's the 15th. So that's the deadline to, <laughs> uh, to, to sign the long-term deal off his franchise tag. I don't know, man. It, uh, I haven't heard much. We got to check in with Katie, see what's going on.
3: You got to call Katie, find out the scoop.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I don't think it's going to get done
3: doesn't look like it it really does yeah. i think the the cowboys have really dropped the ball i was giving them the benefit of the doubt that they took him for granted to some extent and they're trying to work it out but i think yeah. underneath ron i i just think they have doubts about what he really is and they don't want to pay him until they're sure yeah you
0: know? no you're right you're right that's uh, that's obvious they're making that known so i didn't this story went past me last week for some reason i didn't catch this the NFL is discussing and considering withholding player salary and, and putting it in a quote-unquote escrow account. Okay, They're talking about holding 35% of players' salaries in escrow. And, and once the NFLPA uh, got word of this, that's obviously the players' union, they sent an economic counterproposal to the league just this Sunday, which is basically like a screw you letter, I'm sure. But what is this about, Mike?
3: I'm not sure. What I, I can't figure that out. What would the escrow count, yeah. you know, for this season? Are you talking about just for this season?
0: Yeah y I don't know. It just from what I read, it says last week the NF the the NFL proposed holding thirty-five percent of players salary salaries in escrow like what the heck are you guys going to waiting for the inspection so you can put a down payment on a house or something escrow i've that's, never heard that term it's interesting in- I,
3: I think it's probably they're they're hedging their bet on the season uh lasting maybe perhaps they're thinking that they can get it five or six games into the season then have to call it you know because of the COVID thing perhaps i don't know i don't well, know yeah. why they would do that man yeah, they're trying and, to and-
0: hedge their bet a little bit yeah, no, that's right. And, it, and it, the article goes on to say that it's all about um, economic responsibilities to protect, to protect the players uh, from the virus, meaning uh, cleaning things they have to do in the facilities, uh, protection devices. You know, they just talked about this new device, protection device or mask that, that comes from Oakley. That the league will be installing on all the NFL helmets, you know. So they're saying, yeah, because we've had to spend more on stuff like this, oh, I can't yeah. even get through it without laughing. Yeah, that just so sounds they want like the pay- more They want crap. the players to pay for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. these guys are unbelievable, right? We're hey, we love you. We're all in it together, right? What happened to that? Uh, you know, back in draft day. Where'd that right. go? They right. know. I didn't. Roger didn't say anything about 35% then.
3: Where, yeah, where's let's the get 35% a chest
0: bump from? <laughs> Let's get That's a chest bump. bump
3: Yeah. You're oh, the man, Roger. You're the man. Oh, 35%? What? What's that for? <laughs> my face mask. What do you mean that my face mask costs $1.5 million? <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh. oh, wow. It's kind of like flying. I don't know spirit air you, that you didn't takes know some you had guts. To pay for your,
3: that that takes your, some real guts belt. to that had to be a back page someplace <laughs> that takes some guts to to throw that one out there by the way I got to tell you that
0: yeah well well you know you, uh, you can go to uh let me see the uh, redzone.org the redzone.org please don't press the com. you'll get something completely different and you can, uh, you can read the article. It just was out. Uh, I was just reading it this morning. I believe it might have actually come out late, late last night. But, uh, anyway, never.
3: does that mean never. my next question would be, does that mean does everybody in that building then, you know, talking about team officials and coaches, everybody, does that mean they have the, the same escrow account that they got to chip uh, yeah, 35% into?
0: I, all I can tell you about the NFL escrow account right now is that the, uh, you know, the lending rates right now, you know, on a thirty-year fixed are about uh, two point nine three. Okay, that's all I can tell you. With one and a half points, I, I, I can't help you on anything else. Well,
3: <laughs> well escrow account with no explanation. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so that's stay a, tuned. On now. It's your fault. Yeah,
0: that's right. That's right. Anyway, but yeah, but to, to your point, and we're going to leave this alone. But to your point, uh, they may be hedging their bet on something. That that's a very uh, very interesting angle there, Mike. I well, I think
3: that. you know if the yeah. season gets called and they're they're caught short there, they've got you know they're obviously they're going to want some compensation. So you know, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they expect the players to take a hit too.
2: What's really going on?
0: Let's move on to college football. And uh, Mr. Paul Feinbaum had something to say about the state of college football as it pertains to one or two conferences. Let's listen in.
5: This is a game of survival of the fittest. So the, Kevin Warren doesn't really care what's going on at Western Kentucky or anywhere else. He's trying to survive. And one thing I would like to hear Kevin Warren or Greg Sankey or any of these commissioners say to you or me or anyone else, get, you know, forget talking about whether you know we will play a college football season. Give us a reason why you should play a college football season. Tell us why it's worth all this effort. And, if, and you, by the way, you're not allowed to say if we don't play, we'll go broke. Uh, that's what this is about. This is a money grab, because I, I think if, you, if money was not an issue, the, some of these decisions would have already been made, like what they did up in the Ivy League. But uh, right now, this, this is a house of cards. And you know whether Joey thinks we're being negative or not, uh, the, he did say one thing that was accurate. The numbers are <laughs> spiking all over the country, especially in the South, in Florida. You, you can just look up and down the, the news channels for this. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a serious, serious problem.
0: Wow. Well, two things there. Uh, House of Cards, man, I, my family, we've been watching that series on Netflix with Kevin Spacey, and it's, it's really good, Mike, so you've got to check that out. Anyway, uh, Money Grab, we, we've heard that quite a few times as it relates to what's going on in college football, and this is not a surprise in any way, shape, or form to hear it even more now.
3: Yeah, I think that there's so much money involved, and, it, and that money uh, – Support so many things within the athletic department that when they go without it, there's a there's a chance that there's a lot of sports get whacked. And they're trying to, it's, it's not a money grab because they want the money. They're, that money covers so many things that they're going to lose. Uh, so it is a money grab. There's no question. And is that wrong? No, because it's, it's paying for everything. You know, all these other sports, you know, swimming or equestrian or whatever it is, it's paying for all that stuff or it has a, a big impact. And then also the endowments are tied to that. So yes, much of sir. these endowments has to do with how you feel about your university. We've been through all that. And you don't have to have been a former athlete, you know, millions of dollars. And it does affect that. So they're, they're trying to keep this thing afloat. And if they don't play this year, it could be devastating for all athletics, not for football, but for all athletics and and basketball included, you know, those two sports fund so much of the athletic programs. I understand why they're trying to keep it afloat and get some money out of this deal, but you know, it's, and he makes it sound like it's, they're just greedy people. No, that, that money pays for so many things, you know, around that university and, and so many uh, buildings and, and things that have got it, have been built for the athletic department got to get paid off. You know, they're, There's just a lot connected to this. And when you wipe your hand and just sweep it off the board, who's going to pay for it?
0: Yeah, well, we know who's going to pay for it. Now, Big Ten, Pac-12, they've come out and stated conference-only games. Okay, got it. Now, I don't know how they're going to adjust the two or three non-conference games that usually precede the conference games. Right. Uh, That's a scheduling discussion. but uh, the Patriot League, now following up from the Ivy League, they have said no to fall sports. Patriot League, as you may recall, Army, Navy, Colgate, Holy Cross teams of, of, of that sort, they're in that league. So they, uh, they've already figured it out, and it's, it's not going to work for them. So the question, Mike, is, uh, as we listen there to Paul Feinbaum, ESPN, the question is, I guess schools have to figure out how much? How much are we actually going to lose? And is it better to just even make half of what we would make? And how many sports are we gonna have to whack to even pull that off? To even get one of those two?
3: Well, that's the question. There's no question that half is gonna save some sports, and you know others are just not gonna get saved. It's just the way the way it is. Now, the Ivy League schools, they don't have all these great facilities and, you know, all the things that are tied into the budget. And they When they do away with it for the fall, they can recover. You know, and of course, Ivy League, the endowments are ridiculous. So, yeah. uh, there, it's a whole different issue. They can turn their nose and say, hey, we don't need this. We'll, we'll play next year and we'll walk away from it. You can't do that in the SEC. <laughs> you know, it's pretty hard to go <laughs> no, back. No, Twelve. No, no. You know, you can't walk on and say, yeah. you know, what? we're not going to play this year. We'll just pick it up next year. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a second. We just built this uh, addition to the stadium for five hundred million dollars. Yeah. What are you talking about? You know, or what are you talking? Yeah. Hey, let's we swim team. They, they're going you know, or the soccer team, or you know, what are you going to cut? You know, it's the way it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, a few weeks ago, Stanford cut a lot of their their programs outside of football. To your point, if, if we're going to play, then this is the only way we feel we can play.
3: Yeah, and whether they should play or not is the moral question of it. Is one thing, yeah, and then the economic
0: different. question is a whole different question. That's that's a that's that's right. There, that, that's how you put it in big picture perspective. Now, now, how many NFL players are going to? Go into that that space right there that you just went. How many are, are going to say, "Wait a minute, you guys are doing all this stuff. You, you you're trying to make me feel safe. Blah 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 blah." But at the end of the day, especially if I've got you know two toddlers at home and a wife, and d- d- am I safe? Can you guarantee their safety? And and the answer is no. No one can guarantee anyone's safety right now. Right. And then
3: you just have to, in your own mind, come to grips with—we all do individually, whether you're in sports or not—is the COVID question of, of at that age, how detrimental is it to you? The death rates are actually going down, even though the numbers are going up. Uh, you know, more more people under 45 are—62 are percent of the new cases are under 45 in Florida. So it just—you know—you have to deal with. Do I get sick? I get sick. But it's not a death warrant like it has been for so many people over 65, you know? Yeah. It's right. crazy. It's, you know, like the death rate for people older than 70 is 100 times more than people under 40, 100 times. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You just you those are all questions you got to come to grips with before you, you know, if you're afraid of getting sick is one thing, or if you're afraid
0: of dying. Right, right, and then if you're a staff that has a couple older coaches on the staff, and I I tend to think, I, I see more of that in the NFL than in the pros. I mean, than in the college. But still, there are some staffs with with uh, with senior members that needs to be taken into account as well. Sure does.
3: Absolutely yeah. it does. Yeah. 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 It's a hard question. They're trying. They're going to try and recoup as much money as they can. Like you said, half this, half of it is better than. nothing you know you still can pay some of those bills and that's all this is playing this fall is to pay bills that's what they're doing
0: yeah all right well let's run this back so uh the nba bubble we know how that's going and maybe some comments will soften up and the guys will get back to focusing on playing instead of complaining sammy watkins telling us like it really is inside the kc locker room and Really showing you why guys uh, in that organization and why Andy Reid has been able to put together such a winner, and uh, you know it's no it's it's no happenstance. It's not happenstance. It's not a mistake to win championships. It uh, it takes people and it takes it takes commitment and it takes character. And I think they've they've got all three of those things so far. And we'll just keep our pulse on this college football thing and see where it goes and see what happens.
3: Yeah, it's going to be real interesting. These decisions are going to have to come up here within a few weeks before they get going. And the whole other issue is how is the public going to be involved? You know, how do they – the season ticket issue, and we've talked about that at Nauseam, but it's yeah, it's so complicated right now. I don't know how they figure this out. You know, you'd like to say, hey, we will take a Mulligan, restart. Everybody comes back the next year with a double senior class, but that's yeah. a nightmare too.
0: Yeah, well – Hey, uh, it's eleven fifteen. You got something to do at eleven thirty, don't you? I got to get you out of here. No,
3: I'm Isn't good. Right? You're good.
0: I'm good. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I,
3: you know, they're out wow. paving the driveway and they're washing windows and the dogs are barking and the kids are here. So, <laughs> you know, my world's probably a little different than everybody else's right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mike's world. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach Mike Martz, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. But don't forget to visit RunItAgainPodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Now it's time to turn the mic around and hear from our listeners. Got a question for me or Coach Marks? Send us an email at RunItAgainPod at gmail.com or leave a comment on social media at RunItAgainPod. Be sure and join us next Tuesday as we answer some of those email and social media questions. Plus, we'll break down the NFL's top running backs. Remember, we're just two old pros trying to make you think a little. Be safe and stay healthy, everyone.
2: Run It Again with Ron Pitts and Coach Mike Martz, a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Networks production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton, producer Ted Woods, and technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Run It Again Podcast.